Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, animator Carol Holiday, to the show. Welcome, Carol. Hi, Tammy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking and for coming on the show. I know we were talking a little bit off air. I had found out about your work through a goofy movie behind the scenes featurette on YouTube, and I was like, well, who is Carol? I'd love to have her on the show. So here we are. Thank you. And and it's it's funny that you should mention the Goofy movie because that was, I believe, the first movie that I actually did storyboards on. And I have been a storyboard artist since then. I was only an animator for a little bit of time and even that just kind of training animator. But my heart has always been a story heart. Um, and so eventually, you know, God was like, you, you're you supposed to be a storyboard artist. So that is the direction I ended up going. So, yeah. It was really interesting to find that you were a graduate of CalArts. So can you talk a little bit about how you kind of entered the animation industry? Well, I was originally, um, my mother was an artist. And, you know, she said when uh, we were born that basically we took all the art with us. Um, and so that was, I'm very thankful for her, um, her sacrifice in having children and having children who were artistic. But that being said, she didn't want us to starve. So, um, she was hoping that if she overdid me on the arts, then I would like decide to go do something more practical. Um, so, you know, her and, and my, my stepmom and dad, you know, had me in dance and tried to get me in piano and in acting and it sort of all backfired. It actually made me want to be a performer even more. Um, but I was going to go into theater initially because I sing. So I wanted to be in musical theater. Um, but then I became a Christian and I thought I was going to have to compromise too much of what I believed. And I had always drawn, so I went to the animation department and I talked to the dean and he said, um, and I said basically that, well, God wants me in animation. And he said, but you can't draw. And so he gave me some uh, advice. He told me to go out and do some quick sketches. And so I did. I went out and did quick sketches and I came back the next week and he was like, well, go do some more. So this went on for like three weeks. And finally, he said, well, you still can't draw, but we'll let you in on on your enthusiasm. So, yes, God won me in animation, and that's how I got in there. And um, I had been talking to a friend when I was in the theater department. Um, he was in animation, and I would go visit the animators, you know, every, every time I had the opportunity. And um, so he asked me what I did during the day, and I'd, you know, done some, you know, 
acting exercises or whatnot. And, and, and I asked what he did. And he said, well, Chuck Jones came to speak to us. And I was like, oh, Chuck Jones, Chuck Jones came. And he said, you know who Chuck Jones is? I said, yeah, he did the Grinch and he did the Tom and Jerry's. And he's like, get out of animation. Uh, get out of acting. There is no reason why you should know that and, be, and not be an animator. You know, so I just, you know, I had always loved drawing and always had loved animation. Um, but I also like performing too. So, you know, animation and storytelling is a combination of the two, you know, as the saying goes, the, you know, animators are an actor with a pencil. So, um, you know, I just happen to be a, a more gregarious and external person, but I still love to do the drawing stuff, which is behind the scenes. And the acting comes to play here because you did some background voices for a goofy movie and were also a storyboard artist. So can you further elaborate on what specific voices you got to do for the film? Well, that was just like a little, they needed somebody to do a line. Um, you know, Goofy Movie was the first time that I ever did something. I've since done scratch voices for other things because I like to perform. But Goofy Movie was just, they needed, um, actually, I think the first one I ever did was, was in the, was in Oliver and Company where I was a workout instructor. And that was in, uh, uh, I think when Georgette is doing some workouts and there's like somebody on the TV in the background. So it's really quiet. And then in the Goofy movie, they just needed a line. They needed two lines. And one of them, because it was kind of a Kmart kind of store, they needed someone to say, Goofy, line one, Goofy, line one, because um, they had to get a phone call. And then there was another one that was blue light special on aisle two or whatever it was, you know, so they just needed somebody to do like a, a throwaway voice. So it wasn't, you know, crazy acting chops. It was, can you, are you not going to freeze up in front of a microphone? Yeah. Sometimes it can be really scary. And I have to mention another one of my favorite projects that you got to work on was Tarzan. I love how you got the chance to continue these characters stories through sequels and the TV show, which I just, I loved. It was funny because by the time Tarzan had ended, you know, uh, on the same floor as the development artists, um, and they're coming up with, with the design. I actually worked, coming out of the Goofy movie, there was a little bit of a downtime um, where Kevin had a crew at Disney TV. Initially, um, the uh, Tarzan was going to be done at Disney TV. Um and so we had a little crew there. So I did some 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 early designs for Tarzan and Jane and whatnot. Um, and then the project got moved over to Disney Feature Animation. And so I got put into story. So you work on a project for three years. Um, I did. Worked on a project for three years. And at the end, the movie came out. I'm like, oh, that's how you draw Tarzan. <laughs> You know, and so getting onto the Tarzan TV show, it's like, I finally feel like I can draw this character. Um, and it was, you know, exciting coming from Disney feature animation is di different from Disney TV animation in as the story process in um, feature animation is you're actually coming up with story. Um, we do work with script people, but we do a lot of our own writing. Um, at one point, uh, one of the writers, one of the early writers of Tarzan, um, had come into a meeting with the story people, and we were discussing the Strangers Like Me sequence um, that eventually Glenn Keane would go ahead and storyboard and do this amazing job with. But at the end of the meeting, um, he said to the director, wow, those artists actually have story sense. 
you know? And so, you know, our job as storyboard artists is not just to make pretty pictures. It's to actually help the director achieve his vision beginning to end. And we, we may be responsible for smaller chunks in the sequel, in the film, um, or larger chunks. Um, so, but then TV animation is different because it has to move so quickly. There is no three years on a show. There is six weeks from start to finish on an entire show that you're boarding. And the first three weeks of that is spent doing the roughs. The second three weeks is spent applying, both applying the corrections the director makes as well as cleaning it up. So it was learning a new discipline of not only telling story, but telling the story that was there and helping enhance that. And so while I couldn't change story issues, what they liked about me on that show was that since I did have an animation background, when you work in TV, you're given a, a, an actual cut together radio play. So you are acting out the um what the what the characters are already saying you're hearing the voices and you're acting that out so they really enjoyed the fact that i could bring in some acting to the boards because it was going to be sent overseas so those were sort of different beasts one was telling a story with with acting and the other one was okay telling the story that's already there and then you become a director for Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, which I loved. I had it on VHS tape. So what was it like getting that call to ask you to be a director for this specific project? There is never an opportunity. There's never a chance when somebody calls you and says, would you like to be a director? Um, a director in its very nature has to be a, a self-starter, kind of an initiator person. So, you know, I would go in and say like, hey, how about me? <laughs> And, and, um, I actually had a friend, you know, as a matter of fact, a friend of mine who I adore and, uh, she was a development executive at Disney at the time. And one day we went out to lunch and she's like, Carol, what do you want to do? And, um, you know, just being a friend. And I was like, I, I guess I want to direct. And she's like, do you want to or not? Because you have to be, you know, certain if you do. And I said, yeah, I want to direct, uh, Yes, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't work up the courage to actually say that that's what I wanted to do, you know. So it would take me a couple more years to finally to say this is what I want. And you know, I went and spoke with one woman who was um, who was producing a a, a feature, and um, she was willing to take me on even though I had no experience. Well, because I had expressed an, an interest, um, they said we're going to do this compilation of of Mickey cartoons and you have the option to you know present anything you want as a story idea or you can choose one of ours um, and I looked at their story ideas and nothing really grabbed me and I said so I can come up with anything so I had wanted to do a story you know even though it was tongue-in-cheek I wanted to do a story where a Donald Duck broke up with Daisy you know after I think it was 70 years of being together and B he killed Santa Claus um, and even though it wasn't going to be real Santa Claus, I wanted Donald's rage to drive him to the point where he was going to lose everything, but then he would get everything back. Cause that is the story I love to tell is just a, re a, a perpetual redemption story. People suffering the consequences of their wrong, but then finding hope, you know? So, um, I pitched the story, um, kind of inspired by ironically, um, a movie 
that Denzel Washington was in called Fallen, where this demon was being sort of passed around by touch. And instead, it was a Christmas song that Donald didn't want to hear that was being sung by everybody. Um, so it drove him mad. <laughs> and he ends up losing everything. But then he finds, you know, retribution and uh, redemption. He finds re redemption by actually realizing Christmas is not about him, you know, and that's about the people that he loves. So um, they liked the idea and they gave me the opportunity to story direct it. Although Matt O'Callaghan took care of everything in the bigger sense, you know, I got to work with a crew. I got to, um, you know, decide on the art direction for my sequence. Um, and it was a really wonderful experience. And recently you've been promoting your new book, The Food Ain't the Problem, with tips for staying and eating healthy, along with some fun drawings you've made. You know, what was the inspiration to writing this book? And also, how have your fans been reacting to it? Thank you for, for asking and bringing that up. And initially, I mean, if, if anybody has seen any video behind the scenes things of me, I was a very, very large person. Um, and you know, I know there's this whole body acceptance push now, which is, which is great. But I realized as a Christian, I was allowing food to control me and nothing should control me, but God. So I started working on that aspect of just allowing God to control me and eating just enough. And I found out at that point, oh my gosh, God is not some horrible ogre who's like saying you have to deny yourself. He's just saying, don't make food a God. And so he'd made all this wonderful food that I could enjoy in moderation. And it made me just adore him even more. So I would start writing things on Facebook or on blog posts, just like little things about how awesome God was and, and how it, he was changing my life in regards with the food and whatnot. Well, after about three years and a hundred and 20 plus pounds lost, my friends were like, you should write a book. And um, I ended up deciding to write the book. And my friends were like, well, you're an artist, you should draw. And I'm like, in my mind, cartoons and God did not go together. Um, because you look at, you know, all these beautiful paintings by Rubens or whoever, where they do these lofty images of God, my little scratchy cartoons didn't seem to fit. But it ended up fitting even better because I realized in the course of doing it that God saves everyone. He doesn't just save the amazing people. He saves the, car the, the cartoonist and the clown. Um, and so my cartoons ended up figuring in very largely into the book, as well as the tone of the book. It tends to be a little bit more tongue in cheek and lighthearted as opposed to, you know, it's thou shalt not, but thou shalt not with, 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 with warmth and love, which is what God is. So that's where the book came to be, came from. It was just basically a testimony of what God had done in my life and helped me change, change my weight. Um, I don't do a lot of videos, but I end up doing videos for the book, and I can tell a beginning and middle end of a story because of everything I learned in the course of being a storyteller through Disney films. And so I'm very thankful for that experience, and I'm looking forward to more experiences, um, whether it's with Disney or DreamWorks or whatever, you know, branching out and hopefully doing actually more feature directing. I would love to direct a feature, so I'm working towards that goal. Um, but just even just being a storyteller on a crew. I love working with crews. I love working 
the the ideas that you bounce off of each other and just growing from seeing other people's wow I wouldn't have thought of doing it that way that's an amazing way of accomplishing that picture that you're doing right there it's been a wonderful experience and I've learned so much from so many people it just continues to make me build as an artist and I also want to mention to our audience that they can purchase a copy of The Food Ain't the Problem on Amazon. The link is below in the show notes. And you can follow Carol on Facebook at facebook.com backslash The Food Ain't the Problem and on Instagram at It Ain't the Food. And before we close our interview, I have three Disney themed questions I always ask our guests. I call them the Fab Three. So we'll start with the Donald one, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? Oh my goodness, my favorite, and I'm glad you asked that question, my favorite one was 101 Dalmatians. I loved Roger. I wanted to grow up and marry Roger. But yeah, I just loved everything about that film. I loved the animation. I loved just the little nuances that they put in there. And and as I got older and got into animation, I mean, like one of my favorite scenes, you know, of, you know, Roger coming down the stairs and he's backing Anita against the wall. And she looks over her shoulder real quick to see how close she is to the wall. Now, I know they were doing, you know, photo reference, but the fact that the artist chose to include that in there just gave it a sense of reality that just was just so moving to me, kind of a Marlon Brando sort of, you know, methody type of acting thing that I love to put in my storyboards. It's like, it's not just a character moving from point A to point B. It's Mm -hmm. how that character lives in that world that they're moving through. And our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Oh, golly. Um, probably Minnie Mouse. Um, my friends are all the sort of the, the cheerful encouragers, and that's kind of what I see Minnie Mouse as. And so, because I'm the blabbermouth. And finally, our Mickey question, if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? When You Wish Upon a Star. And it's that, that idea that that dream can come true. You know, it's not just wishing, it's, it's actually pursuing it. And um, it's, I, I love that. You know, your conscience, here's that little conscience. Yes, it's definitely one of my favorite Disney songs in the repertoire. And I have to thank you so much for coming on the show and... Maybe you could sing us out with a little When You Wish Upon a Star. When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are Anything your heart desires Will come to you If your heart is in your dream no regret 